What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Because when you find the perfect home, you don't want to lose it to anybody else. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers and their agents greater confidence in you. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this. What can help you buy the home you really want? Rocket can. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. That's rocketmortgage.com or call 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information appraisal and title report. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSConsumerAccess.org number 3030. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for being here today. I hope your Sunday is going well and that you're getting prepared for this next week. So thank you also for all of your just comments on Instagram, and I, I really appreciate it. And I have such great assistance. My Michelle Savage and and Becca Johnson, she they just do some great things in social media for me. They just take all of my information, and they're so able to just post it because you know I'm a little bit wordy, right? So they're really good at taking just the one little piece out of it. So I'm so grateful for them, and I really want you to take advantage of what we have out there on social media. So today, we have sort of talked about this in the past, but I really want to drive this idea home, and that is take good care of you. You're the only you we have. And this is really imperative to understand that in our world, there are so many people and so many ways to look and to act and to think and all the things that the media is telling we're supposed to do or that we're not supposed to do when it comes to taking care of ourselves. And so I want you to really take responsibility, to really take that, that, that mantle on you about saying, I'm, I'm the one that cares for me. I'm the one that's with me 24-7, seven days a week, 
every day of the year until I die. And then I'm with myself forever. So think about that, that you really are the CEO of you. And it's important that we take that charge, that we take that responsibility. Otherwise, we're just going to be taking things as they come and listening to all kinds of naysayers. And this person said this, and this person said that, and we should do this. No, we shouldn't do that. So I want you to really understand that when God put you together, he also gave you insight into yourself. And many times we don't even take advantage of it. We think that everybody else out there has more information and they can help us figure out whatever it is that we're, we're doing or not doing or need to do. And that we always go outside of ourselves in, instead of sometimes saying, you know, I do have some of my own innate wisdom. I can take care of me. And I need to listen to me. We know what's right and wrong. We really do. It's very important that you think about the fact that you are the only you there will ever be. So imagine what it would be like if everyone took care of themselves. How much better we can care for those who cannot take care of themselves if we are just doing that job. And what we find is that the job isn't as nearly as difficult as we think it is, except that, as we have talked in other shows, we may have to learn the word no. That's another show. So how much debt I want you to think about? What's the price you're going to pay today for all the choices that you are making? How much are these choices going to cost you? Now, they may not cost you always financially, Usually they end up somewhere costing us financially. But they will cost you emotionally, maybe intellectually, spiritually, relationally. So how much debt are you incurring today because of the choices that you are going to make? And how much debt has come into today because of the choices you made yesterday? How much debt are you sending into tomorrow? How much are you already loading up tomorrow with problems, concerns, anxious, you know, things? How much are you sending into tomorrow because you're not doing it today? So I want you to think about this. When I realized that my body truly had very few choices, it chooses to live for me no matter how poorly I treat it. And when I realized that this body doesn't get to go to heaven, that this is the best life it ever gets, it was quite compelling to realize how much it served me even when I mistreated it. It keeps showing up for me. So imagine if the car you own is the only one you'll ever have. If it's the only one you ever get, what, how might you treat it if you thought that this is my one and only car for the rest of my entire life? Or what about the house you own? What if it's the only one you will ever have? Imagine if the clothing that you're wearing today is the only outfit you get. I would imagine you would take very good care of your home, your car, and your clothes if you thought this was the only ones you got. So taking care of you is to make sure that you are here to take care of the ones you love 
or the ones you never, who never are able to take care of themselves. You're able to be able to do for them what they cannot do. Instead of taking care of people that have just irresponsibly decided not to take care of themselves. Now, I don't say that with judgment. I've been there in my life before where I didn't want to take care of myself, and I did have to pay some of the price for that. So it's important that we recognize we don't get to go buy another body. And so one of the things that I want you to think about is that taking care of you is one of the greatest gifts you can give people that love you when you take care of you. See, when I take care of me, I don't have to think about me so much. And when I really did realize this idea that um, this body is the only one I get, and then it's going to die, and then it will go into the ground. I get to go to heaven. So I want to make sure that I'm appreciating what God has created for me so that I can live out that destiny here on earth. So I want you to take good care of you. You're the only you we will ever have. Now, many times we just think, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm the only one that the world ever has because I'm not that great anyways. That's not how God feels. That's not how the people in your life feel about you. So many of the people in your life that might be mistreating you or giving you false messages that you're not worth anything are probably doing it because they don't feel worthy as well. And they're feeling less than as well. And they don't have the energy maybe to give you what you need. So I want you to think about this. The only car you'll ever have, the only clothes you'll ever have, the only house you'll ever have. So think about this. Imagine with me for a moment that you wake up the next day and the day decided not to show up. It wanted a day off. It walked out. With it would be this abyss, no life, no sound, and no space. So first and foremost, we need to take care of ourselves, And you need to take some of those cues from the day and the night. See, the day shows up for you every day. And the night comes when the day is done. So the day showed up for you even if you didn't want it to. And the night came to you even if you didn't want the rest. So imagine how the day would feel if the night decided not to show up and then the day had no rest at all. Imagine if the day wouldn't end and the night would not be allowed to do its job. See, day and night work together. They're like dance partners in tandem for you and I. So we want to honor the day because there will be a day that we don't wake up. We will have a day that is our last. And then the night will come and we'll be able to rest forever. So I'm sure maybe this sounds a little bit morbid and extremely esoteric, I know. But if you can envision these concepts for your life, you will feel more like a dance when you live your life than like this drudgery and weariness and pushing everything with exhaustion. So one of the reasons I felt compelled to share this is that in my lifetime, I've resisted night and day. And I thought, 
I could shorten them or extend them or avoid them altogether. And I realized how brilliant this day and night couple truly is. Imagine what it would be like if we woke up one day and it never, ever ended. How exhausted and weary and disoriented I would feel. And in contrast, what, if it, what, what would it feel like if it was always dark? I could never quite make out people or objects. And I would quickly start trying to have some type of a life, but what would be the point? I can't see anything or anybody. I'd be bumping into everybody all the time. We'd live like groundhogs, right? Always waiting, anticipating for that day to arrive. So the bottom line is I'm going to show up for today and take advantage of the night and not live in opposition to the way that I made. I'm going to show up for my day and I'm going to honor it. And I'm going to take advantage of what the night wants to give me. And I have to remind myself, I need to see the day and night both as very good friends. They're a wonderful couple. They help usher me all through life. They appeared when I was born, and they will accompany me into eternity. They never quit, never complain, and they serve me my entire life. Never late, no excuses, and always on time. So what that did for me, I know it sounds kind of esoteric, but it helped me stop fighting the day and trying to extend the night or hurry through the night or resist sleeping. So this is Cynthia Hyatt, Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again as we talk more about you taking care of you and how uniquely you're made and how to do that. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for referring this show and all the things we do on social media to your friends. I appreciate that very much. My assistants work very hard for me, and I'm very, very, very grateful for them. So we're talking about this idea of taking good care of you because you're the only you we will ever have. You're a once-in-a-lifetime-occurring person. And so the show is about taking good care of you, body, mind, soul, and spirit. So we're going to stop fighting our bodies and what they need. And we're going to honor our bodies and what they don't need. We're going to maybe resist giving them things they really don't need. So we're going to protect our heart, especially from evil people and judgment of ourself. And we're going to nurture our soul by discovering why we were created. And we will nurture our spirit so as to understand the divine and be able to heal and bless others. And we want to do that well. So these needs, we're going to nurse our spirit so as to make every day count. And the reason I'm saying this is I'm not saying this to you to put a burden on you. I'm saying that if you will engage in this way of thinking, then you will enjoy your life much more. And the hardships will be more manageable because this is how I live. And this is what has truly helped me get to the next day. 
So it's lazy to not take care of you. It places an unnecessary burden on others and means that the ones who do need to be cared for don't get the care they need or deserve. So imagine a world where everyone just took care of themselves. How much better the care would be for those who truly need it. Now, I'm not trying to guilt you. I want you to recognize the gift of health and how much we take it for granted. And if you are one of those that is struggling, you know very well what I'm talking about, how hard you have to work to even get to quote-unquote normal. So the rest of us that are seemingly unimpaired by the world and do all these things that compromise our body and our lives... See, that's a disservice to those who have to work really hard. So I want you to recognize the gift of health and how much we might take it for granted. I know in my life I've taken it for granted. And so, you know, we have child protective services, right? We have adult protective services. We have animal protective services. So sometimes we might have to intervene on ourselves. Your health is a gift. Don't squander it. See, sometimes I feel like I have to give all these disclaimers when I'm approaching this subject. More than anything, I want you to know you're of great value. You're a one-time only occurring person, a one-of-a-kind, a rarity. And I want you to treat yourself as such. And I'm, I'm not talking about indulgence. I'm, I'm talking about giving yourself what you actually need. Because then, in turn, you won't have so many wants. And you'll be able to give more to those who have less. Sometimes taking care of yourself can feel really lonely. I mean, I really get that. And we can unconsciously resist taking care of ourselves sometimes as a way to force someone else to care about us. Like, hey, look at me. Hey, over here. I'm struggling. And so I wish that we didn't need to do that. But I really do understand it. And the healthiest thing you can do is recognize when you're doing it. And if you're saying to, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I really should be taking care of me. But because I feel lonely being the only one that's taking care of me, maybe if I was a little bit worse, maybe if I were injured, maybe if I really had a problem, somebody would care for me. And so I want you to recognize that's not as selfish or uncommon as maybe it sounds. It's because humans need care. So if you need care, I want you to start with you. I want you to be the one that cares for you. What we find in, in uh, society oftentimes is the people that care for themselves need less and are also better able to ask for necessary care. So this is why it's tough to do and it's lonely many times to do. And I do want to address this age-old judgment that somehow taking care of yourself is selfish. Taking care of your needs is selfish. Giving yourself what you want, what you need, what, you, what makes you a better person is somehow selfish. And what I want you to understand more than anything, not taking care of you is selfish, really. See, we, we want you to be able to be the person God originally intended for you to be because you impact the planet uniquely. Nobody else can mess up like I can and nobody else can succeed 
like I can. So if we understand that, wow, what the world would look like if everyone just policed themselves. What if everybody just parented themselves, took care of themselves? You see, it's one person at a time. I know I oftentimes say, you know, imagine this, or what would the world look like if? But I want you to think about, in, you know, in my defense, it really would be a different world. So when you think about how you're going to do your life from day to day, first and foremost, I want you to remind yourself that kindness goes a long way. And God says very clearly in the Bible, God is kind, you be kind. And so kindness isn't as kind when you like the person as it is when you're kind to the person you don't like and they've messed up or even caused you pain. So when I am kind to myself when I mess up, kind to myself when I made the wrong decision, when I failed, when I didn't do what I was supposed to do, whatever that is, when I am kind to myself, that's not indulgence. That's a healing balm I give to my spirit so that I have the energy I need to get up, get back on track, and do the program right. So kindness doesn't mean, oh, now because I'm being kind to you, you can do whatever you want. That wouldn't be kind. So I want you to think about this. What would it be like if the world was kind? And this is not about whether someone deserves it or not. It's what humans need. So we're coming to the end of this first half hour. And what we're going to do in the next hour, we're going to talk about rituals. Because this is part of self-care. And how important rituals are. And I love this uh, quote by Will Durant. He says, you are what you repeatedly do. You are what you repeatedly do. So our future is not shaped by big decisions or events, but by our daily habits. So when you repeatedly do something, your choices, these things define who you become on any given day. This is why it's so beautiful to understand that we can actually change. Humans can change. And that this is an important time for you in your life, if you're hearing this show, to maybe recognize that maybe you're at an intersection and you can make a different choice. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about taking good care of you. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for being with me today. And if you're just tuning in, make sure you go to your favorite podcast server and look for Conversations with Cynthia, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. And thank you also so much for your appearance on social media. It's so rewarding and really helpful to know what it is that works for you and what you need. So we are talking about taking care of you that you are the only you we have. And this is why it's imperative that we understand what good self-care is about. 
And rituals are one of the ways we help with good self-care. So in the last segment, I, I read this quote by Will Durant. He says, our future is not shaped by big decisions or events, but by our daily habits. What you repeatedly do, your choices, defines who you become. So this is imperative. I I want to give you a a simple ritual. When we talked earlier in the show about the night and the day, and the day shows up for you, and the night shows up to give the day a break. And so when you think about this, I talk to people at length about, you know, rituals getting up in the morning, drinking a glass of water before you go to sleep, praying for two minutes before you go to bed, forgiving the day or whatever happened during the day before you go to sleep. Because these kinds of things are nice because what you're doing is you're letting the nighttime take care of it so that when you wake up the next morning, it really is a new day. Instead of bringing the day before into the next day. So this is important for us to recognize what day and night do for us. So when you arrive in your day, one of the things I talk to people about is I I say, you know what, the more that you can ritualize some of your morning routine, the more efficient the rest of your day will be. So I'll give you an example. If you take showers in the morning, one of the things I want you to think about is really, really showering off whatever happened the prior day and night. If you had a bad dream, if yesterday was a bad day, I want you to say, I'm showering this off. I'm starting a new, brand new day. Even if I have to address some things that were in the past, I'm starting fresh. And so you take advantage of the light. And you say to yourself, I'm going to get energy from the light. And I'm going to move forward in my day. And I'm going to be the best version of me. I'm not going to judge myself. I'm going to simply decide whether or not something worked or didn't work. And if it didn't work, then I'm going to put that in the list that I'm not going to do it again. So rituals give us this sense of control. And I'm not talking about religious ceremonies or, you know, chanting or obsessive compulsive behaviors. It's more about the practical down-to-earth kind of rituals that makes us feel in charge of our life. So when we've talked before in different shows about value systems. What defines you? See, when I bring myself back to, this is what defines me, this is part of my value system, then that ritual of going back to what I know is me, even if it means the moment is going to be uncomfortable because I need to say no, or maybe the moment will be uncomfortable because I need to apologize, But my value system tells me I don't want debt following me. So I'm going to take care of any offense I've done and not bring it in to the next moment. So rituals give us that, that it's kind of like the gas in your day. It keeps things moving forward. It keeps things going. It keeps you in line. It keeps you in your own lane line. And so I want you to think about they really do increase our performance because by turning small everyday acts into more significant ones, they end up adding meaning and joy to our lives. So things like every day you, you kiss your kids goodbye, that's a ritual that they would miss if you didn't do it. 
It's the way you answer the phone when your partner calls. It's, hey, I make the bed every day. That helps me know the day started and the night is over. So it's these types of things that kind of keep things, it's greasing the wheel is what it's doing. And it's giving you some momentum so that you don't have to really fight with creating inertia every time you want to do something. You've got some momentum. It's kind of like thinking about music. The song starts and it kind of carries itself and carries you through to the end of the song. So it doesn't keep starting and stopping. So when you think about life, I want you to think about your rituals. Do I get up every morning and and do some daily reading? Do I exercise every day? What do I do for breakfast? What do I do for lunch or dinner? How, How much pressure I'm going to put on myself to finish everything perfectly? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of taking good care of you. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So we're talking today about taking good care of you because you are the only you we will ever have. So you are a one-time, uniquely occurring person, and your effect on the world around you is necessary. And so we're talking about, in this last segment, the power of rituals as a way to help us really understand how to take good care of us. Because rituals are like gasoline, or they're like the motor that turns the wheels in your car. And it just keeps you going, instead of the starting and the stopping that's exhausting. So trying to put change in your life requires sometimes more than a formal method. But no approach will work if your heart isn't in it. So rituals are are quite symbolic enactments. And it engages our emotions So it starts to give us more emotional energy to do whatever that task may be. So this is where the anthropologists discovered that, okay, I can't say this word very well, trobrianders, they practice these magical rituals when they're finished, you know, fishing in the open sea. And so they had to do these things in order to get to that next step. So we usually associate rituals with maintaining the status quo, like in religion. But really what it is, is that the ceremonies create the sense of belonging and continuity. The repetition of an act makes us feel at home. And that has a way of calming our central nervous system and our inner world so that we have more energy and we're not wasting energy. So nature, you know, gives high emotional rituals for us. And, and, when we, and this, I love this uh, person, his name is, he's a behavioral scientist, Michael Norton. And he says, we see in every culture and throughout history that people who perform rituals report feeling better. See, it causes us to be more connected to ourselves and our life and our world. And so rituals performed after, after a loss, a great loss, help alleviate grief. 
because it puts a beginning and an end to something, and it honors whatever the grief is about. And so when Michael Norton studied this, he saw, and, and his colleagues proved through their multiple benefits, that even among those who don't believe in the efficacy of rituals, benefited from it. So the majority of, of the mentioned rituals that we talk about are either religious or communal. But we can have them be very personal, very private. And this is where it's important that you recognize, hey, maybe I'm already doing rituals in my life. Are they working for me? Is the ritual that I'm performing actually supporting me and helping me? So they help to shape our self-perception. This is why when we have negative or destructive rituals, it has a tremendous impact on our self-worth, on peace, on our ability to see anything good in our life. And what we end up doing is justifying a negative ritual because somewhere along the way it worked originally. So when we think about people that are drinking or smoking or overeating or oversleeping, you want to maybe ask yourself, where did I pick that up? How did that ritual begin in my life? Was there an event that caused me to, wow, not get out of bed until I was absolutely forced to? What, what was the point of staying in bed? Was there a moment where I just couldn't handle whatever was going on in my life and so I decided I would take a drink and it turned into more than just one ritual? What, what were the things, the impetus that caused you to do a habitual thing? And these, you know, we, we can say rituals are kind of like habits in some ways because when we do the habit, it is ritualized and it makes it very difficult to stop doing it. So when we have superstitious rituals, it's not like we become luckier, but they do boost our self-confidence. It's kind of like that idea that, you know, well, you know, I'm wearing my lucky shoes or I've got my, you know, my hair looks good today, so I know it's going to be a good day. It's these types of things that we do that help us create the energy we need to do the day that we're in. And so I want us to think about that, that when we are doing these rituals, they create neural nets in our brain, so they become more efficient. And when we study the brain, we do brain mapping, these types of things, we find that it's almost like a groove in your brain. The more often you do it, the more automatic it becomes, and the harder it is to stop. So I want you to think about, what are my habits? Have they become a ritual? And if my habit has become a ritual, then it's actually going to be a part of me. Because rituals are kind of spiritual. And so all of a sudden, I'm going to have probably grief and loss if I have to stop that habit because it's now become a ritual. It means something more to me than what the actual habit is doing for me. It's like the same thing that people, you know, have to have a lucky coin to, to step on the plane, right? That's a ritual. So somewhere it was a habit of having money in his pocket or her, or her handbag. 
And all of a sudden it became, wow, if I don't have that, I might not be safe on the plane. So I have to do my ritual. I have to pack just the right way. I have to have the, the same car that drives me. I have to take the same airline. And, and I'm not saying that, that these are necessarily, you know, obsessive compulsive. I'm saying there are ways that we define ourselves. There are ways that we ground ourselves, that we make sense of our life. So daily rituals build a positive mindset and drive us into action if they're healthy. They're healthy rituals. Things like we brush our teeth without even thinking. That's the benefit of habits. Once we repeatedly do something, the behavior becomes automated. So rituals, on the contrary, like I said before, are more meaningful. Rituals take a habit and give it some meaning. And it increases mindfulness. So the rituals and the actions events, they, they have to have some kind of symbolic meaning beyond just it works. So you've probably watched the folding of an American flag in a movie. And the ritual, it's not about easy storage or showmanship. See, each of the 13 folds has a symbolic meaning. The first fold of the flag is a symbol of life. The second fold is a symbol of our belief in eternal life. The third fold is made in the honor of the veteran departing rank, and so on. I mean, that, that's phenomenal. So what does it feel like if you're participating in this ritual and they start to fold the flag incorrectly? It's going to give you an emotional response. It's like that idea of, I feel lucky today. And so when we think about how, na how routines, habits actually become rituals, it has a lot to do with effort. So it starts out as a habit, and we have to see how conscious we are of it. And then it kind of gets into our routine, our daily routine. And many times this is how it works it way, its way into being actually a ritual that feels like I have to do it. I don't feel comfortable if I don't do my ritual. And so the difference between habit, routines, and rituals is that a ritual is supposed to be like a celebration. It involves our emotions and our full attention. And so rituals have step-by-step -step instructions. So I'm wanting you to understand rituals as a way to really help your life have more meaning, more continuity, that you feel like you're, you're more in control of it, that it matters to you versus these automated, automated responses. See, habits develop a lot of times without us even knowing it. And it usually is because we've repeated something quite a few times. And so our brain switches to this automatic mode. But rituals, on the other hand, they're done with deliberate intention and focus. And a ritual requires intent and engagement. So when I really w started studying this, what I found is if I really created rituals, starting with getting out of bed, my day goes better. And the ritual, many times, like I said way earlier in the show, I get out of bed, I make my bed. That's a ritual for me to do. That means I'm closing up the night and I'm starting the day. And I'm thanking the sleep that I had or 
whatever, even if I didn't have good sleep, I'm, I'm thankful that another day is here that I can start. And so then I might go in and have breakfast. Well, how do I do that? Do I hurry through it? For me, usually, yes, I do. But the ritual is I get the breakfast in. See, that's important. The next ritual, I exercise. And, you know, I'm not like in my 30s, okay? So exercising is not like what it used to be for me. But I do it because this is the only body I will ever have. So I support this body. And I do that out of love. So when you think of this ritual, this as soon as my brain has learned this ritual, get up, make the bed, eat breakfast, exercise, take a shower, then I know that I'm going to fix my hair, makeup, clothes. It has a way of creating its own momentum. So it's a lot easier for me to do. And that ritual really gets my brain thinking differently because my brain then knows, oh, this is a work day because we're doing that ritual. This isn't Saturday. So Maya Angelou, she had some very specific writings about rituals. And, and she would really dive into these. And, and she had all kinds of things, a thesaurus, a, a Bible, and she'd spend hours writing really carefully designed rituals. And so this is an action-oriented thing versus a system-oriented thing. That means the habit is an action that you started at some point. Now you do it without thinking. It's action-oriented. But the ritual is a sequence of activities that are performed in a particular place, in a particular way, and they, have a, they are setting up things for progression. So this is where we think about, wow, the rites of passage. That's an example. We have a separation, a transition, incorporation. And so when we want to build meaningful habits, what I want you to think about is that rituals increase awareness and appreciation in our daily lives, and we stop living on autopilot. So I want you to be creating rituals in your workday, Rituals as to how you drive. Rituals as to how you get yourself going in the morning. How do you turn yourself off at night? What is your ritual for meeting new people? What is your ritual when you're angry or scared or sad? How do you handle that? What's the roadmap for that? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm so glad that you joined me today. I really do want you to take good care of you because you are the only you we will ever have. And you are a one-time occurring person. So you have a way of impacting this world in a way that nobody else can. Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you next Sunday. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. 
Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers greater confidence in you. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing under license in all 50 states and MLS consumeraccess.org number 3030.